Amen. Listen to the words of that amazing story. I'm going to read from the book of Luke chapter 24. And it says, on the first day of the week, and the first day of the week is Sunday. And that's why we celebrate as Christians on a Sunday, because this, the first day of the week, was Resurrection Day. Very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they prepared, and they went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told us to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because their, their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, what had happened? What has happened. Well, I'll tell you what happened is death had just been defeated. That's what had happened. I'll tell you what happened is Jesus is alive, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what happened. I'll tell you what happened. A victory had been proclaimed. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 to 57, it says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Isn't that beautiful language? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What had happened was the victory had been won and delivered to us in Christ. That's what happened. And that's why today, on Easter Sunday, year after year, we get to celebrate this incredible victory that we have in Christ. And maybe you here, and like the apostles, oh, these words seem like nonsense. Well, maybe you're going to be like Peter today. And maybe come with, let's join the story today. Let's, let's go with the ladies to the tomb. Let's take our CSR gear and let's go and investigate. Let's find out what did happen. Because sometimes we hear things so many times. We grew up hearing about Easter and chasing Easter eggs and all of these things. What is it about Jesus or a bunny? I don't even know. I'm going to show you today. What does the Word of God teach us about what happened that glorious day? So number one, a couple of things I want us to notice. First, as we're going with the ladies. Now, I have to be honest. I'm thinking through this conversation. They're heading for the tomb. They've got their spices and aloes and myrrh. They're going to anoint the body for death. But... I wonder if Mary said to Mary, because there were at least two Marys on the way, Mary, yes, Mary, Mary, what do we do? Because kind of we've got all of these spices and things, but how do we get to Jesus? I mean, I, I don't know if it was faith or doffness or what, but they're going to the tomb. The tomb is sealed by a huge stone. They know that. They're Roman guards guarding it to make sure they can't get into it, and yet here they go with their spices to anoint the body. Maybe it was faith, I don't know, but... 
When they get there, whoa, 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 something's changed. The stone was rolled away. Now, here's the thing. That means the, the, the big blockage between them and Jesus has now been removed. It's been moved aside. And this is so significant. I want, to catch, I want us to grab a hold of this. The first big idea about Easter is the barrier between us and Jesus has been removed. You see, sin does that. Right from the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, remember they're running around naked, enjoying themselves, eating fruit salad, and life is good, and then they sinned. As soon as they sinned, Adam and Eve hid from God. Suddenly they wear their nakedness. Suddenly they, they scared of being in God's presence and they hide. They withdraw from God. And the father walking in the garden says, Adam, where are you? We were hiding. And then when God made them, the clothes covered their nakedness and then he drove them out of the garden. And he put those angels there to guard the entrance. They cannot come back into the presence of God, into the tree of life. Why? What happens? You see, sin always separates Inside of you, when you, you've messed up and you've blown, it's like something inside of you, I need to, I can't be in God's presence. The shame and the guilt inside of us separate us. And that's what the Bible said. It says the wages of sin is death. So what happened is that wage was paid. You see, when Jesus was dying, it was the innocent for the guilty. He was paying the price. The wages of sin is death. Now, even though he didn't have a debt, he'd never sinned. He paid on our behalf. So very legally, so the accountants are happy, very legally, the debt was paid, the books were balanced, which is why the stone could be rolled away. The separator between God and man has been removed. And Jesus prophesied it. We've been looking at the scripture over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here with us. In, in John 14, verse 6, remember that? Jesus came, he prophesied, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Before that, there was no way to the Father. Our sin was always the barrier. The stone was always keeping us in a tomb. And yet on that Easter Sunday, the stone was rolled away. Access to the Father, united to his family, connected to his riches, remolded by his identity, security, value, lifted up by his glory and honor. Jesus paid the price. So don't run from God. What does that mean? What that means is if you understand what happened at Easter, next time you mess up and it happens. We do crazy things. We sin, we, we mess up, we say things we regret, we do something we're ashamed of. And there's that thing inside of you and straight away the temptation is to withdraw from God. The temptation is to withdraw from church. But you're no longer under death. Death no longer has a hold on you. And that's why Quinta just quoted that scripture. Have a look carefully. Hebrews 4 verse 16. If you want to memorize another verse, this is a good one. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we can receive mercy. When do you need mercy? Do you need mercy when you're perfect? Do you need mercy when everything is going well? No, you need mercy when you've messed up. You need mercy when you've blown it, when you're feeling guilty, when you're feeling shameful. Come confidently before his throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Friends, that's what happened at Easter. That barrier was rolled away. The stone was moved. The barrier was broken. Jesus is alive. Can you say amen to that? Next thing we discovered, and I love this. Can you imagine? Up to this point, it was dark. The stone was in place. 
angel of the Lord came and moved a stone. And as the sun began to rise, can you imagine the first light of dawn began to slowly creep into the tomb. Up to that point, pitch darkness. You see, death loves darkness. The thing about death, death thrives in darkness. Death loves in darkness. They love secrets. They love shame. They love guilt. They love things hidden. In fact, someone taught me when I was at youth years ago, what lives in the darkness belongs to the devil. What lives in the light belongs to God. And what happened on this beautiful Easter morning was light now began to infiltrate, penetrate, and begin to shine into an empty tomb. As the light crept into the tomb, the darkness was expelled forever. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I want to proclaim to you today, God's light is wonderful. Now, what does that mean? It means what happened is God showed us that day the light penetrates, destroys darkness. When we understand Easter, we realize I'm a child of light. Darkness, you have no hold on me. Christians, we're not called to live secret lives. We're not called to live sneaky lives where we're hiding sin and shame and guilt. We're children of light. I don't embarrass anyone, but... I remember one of the most powerful stories for me when I realized is, is a lady came to me, older lady, but something happened when she was a younger lady, like a young girl. Stuff was done to her by a family member, and yet she didn't tell anyone. She knew it was wrong. It left her violated, left her feeling dirty, left her feeling, I've got this secret inside of me. And the world tells us, don't worry, time heals all wounds. That's a lie. You see, darkness doesn't just go away by itself. It needs light to drive it away. For 60 years, carry darkness. Now, here's the thing. When you've got darkness on the inside, it affects you on the outside. Don't ever think that you can hide darkness in you. It always somehow comes out of you. And then as she committed her life, surrendered fully to Jesus, she wrote me a letter once. said, Dear Pastor, it's time to bring the darkness into the light. I don't even know if I read the whole letter in details. It wasn't for me. It was for her. For the first time, bringing the darkness into the light. You know what the Bible says? It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, confession is a beautiful thing. It's not saying I'm... Confession is simply letting the light shine into the darkness. We not live to carry... We're not called to carry a tomb inside of us. We're called to carry a temple inside of us. And the light turns the, temp, the tomb into a temple as we bring it out. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive you our, your sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. A man came to me in the church. Well, actually, I went to him because I'd heard bits and pieces of his story. And don't tell anyone, but as a pastor, I got miffed. I just, you know, some, I said to him once, I said, because his story was tragic. I'd heard only little glimpses. He'd been involved in the Angola War years back. Things, he became a prisoner of war. He was held captive. Things were done to him that he'd never spoken about. He did things to people that he was too ashamed to speak about. And so for the rest of his life, he carried the darkness. The darkness of secret. The darkness of unconfessed things in his heart. It led to depression. 
led to isolation, separation from his family, brokenness. And eventually I said, you know what? You're just playing games. I'm sick of it. We've helped you as a church. We've helped you, helped you, helped you. Now, this won't happen to you. Don't worry. We're generally quite loving as pastors. <laughs> but in loving kindness, I said to him, you're a child of the light, but you're living in the darkness. Enough is enough. If you want to see the power of the gospel transform you, let the light in. And you let the light in when you confess stuff out. And as he began to unpack those stories, you know what's so beautiful is to see how well he's doing now. Because the enemy lies to us. If anyone knew of my darkness, they'd reject me. No, they won't reject you. They'll respect you because all of us have carried darkness that has to be brought into the light. The beautiful Easter morning, the light began to shine into the tomb and the darkness was expelled. That's what happened. What else happened? I love this. Now, can you imagine? Picture now. This is my imagination. You've got to give me some license now. Imagine if Jesus, lying on a slab, he's wrapped up in this white kind of woolly kind of whatever's, and he's on the slab, but imagine if he was hooked up to a heart monitor. Beep. You know, a flat line. For three days, flat line. The stone gets rolled away. As the sun begins to rise, the light begins to slowly creep into the tomb. And maybe it begins to creep up the side of a slab. And then slowly the light begins to shine upon this dead body. I'm imagining for me that maybe at that moment, a breeze began to blow. It's like the wind began to blow into the temple. And can you imagine that first? <laughs> the first heartbeat of resurrection. You see, what happened on this Easter day, that which was dead came alive. And it came alive when the breath of God entered Jesus again. You know what I love so much? In, in the Greek language, the word breath and the word spirit, it's the same word, pneuma. So it's like when you hear the word wind or spirit or breath, it's the same word. God breathed. Remember all the way back in, in Adam's story? God took the sand and the dust and the mud and he, and he carved out Adam out of the, and then it says he breathed on him. He spirited on him and the mud became flesh, became human, became alive. And exactly the same with Jesus. I believe the breath of heaven began to blow and new life, spirit, entered him, and he rose up. And you know what's great? It's just a few weeks later, it says in Acts 2 verse 1, it says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In exactly the same way, what happened at Easter was new life was breathed out upon us. And friends, I want to, I want to, and so many of you have heard my testimony, but for me, this is so real and radical because this is not a theory. I'm not, I'm not one of those super spiritual people. Now I know some of you, we can stand and worship and you're feeling goosebumps and you're feeling carried into the third heaven. I'm standing on my two feet. I love singing, I love worshiping Jesus, I love him with all my heart, but I'm not one of these kind of super spiritual floaty kind of people, bless you if you are, but I mean, Quinton's more like that, that's why he's my mate, you know, we like, we work as a team, I'm saying that because when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't have some kind of, oh, this joy filled me, there were, I didn't have that, but what I realized pretty soon, is there's something new inside of me, 
Something has come alive. Something that was dead is now alive. I've got a new heart. I've got a new desires. And you've heard me say before many times, I, I hated going to church. It was so boring. My mom dragged me to this old church every month and it was like dull. She actually taught me it's supposed to be dull. <laughs> no, honest, this <laughs> hope we're not like live streaming, but this was her theology. It's God's plan. Kind of, you've been pretty naughty these last couple of weeks. It's supposed to be dull to balance the scale. You know, this is like your suffering to make up for your, anyway, moving on. And I used to think to myself, yo, the people I felt sorry for the most. Now I mean, I sat with my brother at the back of the church trying to endure this. We came up with all kinds of strategies to not get bored in church. And I used to think, yo, I'd hate to be a pastor. I would hate it. I mean, if it's like once a month I've got to endure this, and it's like, yo, this hour is stretching. Imagine these poor guys who have to do it like Sunday after Sunday, multiple meetings, yo. Within a few months, I wanted to be serve God full-time, lead a church one day. From someone who just, I mean, all Christians are hypocrites, obviously. Suddenly, but I love Christians. I want to be with them. From hardly wanting to go to church ever. Now I want to I'll go to morning, middle service, evening service, like some of you radical people do. I'm an engineer. I don't read books. I read manuals, not books. Suddenly I want to devour the Word of God. You know, young, you want to do naughty, rebellious, wicked things. No, no, no I, I want to live for the Lord. This is real. It's real. When the breath of God enters you, maybe you don't feel the goosebumps. Some of you did. Some of you don't, but... It changes you from the inside. What happened at that first Easter? It's like Peter said in Acts 2 verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a glorious gift. So let me end off with one more. Stone, the separator, the barrier had been moved. The light began to shine into the darkness. The wind of the Spirit poured out a new heartbeat, something had changed. And then this is what I love. Can you imagine? Now, my, again, my imagination's going a little bit, but, but Jesus, after the heart has been beating for a while, maybe he stood up. I thought maybe he'd stretch, but he can't because I think his hands were probably, I don't even know how it happened. But somehow he manages to unravel all the bandages, all of the stuff, and neatly folds them, places them. And then he gets up and he walks out of that tomb. And I want to declare what happened on Easter was he who was dead now walked out of a grave into the purposes and plans and destiny of God. And friends, that's what happened to Jesus and that's what happens to you and I. You see, when we go through the same, when the barrier is removed and we connected to our Father, when the light of the gospel shines into our heart as children of God, friends, we can get up with a new heart And begin to walk, not in our old life, not in our old ways, but walk into the purposes and plans of God. I shared that story last week about, about to me it was such a beautiful prophetic picture when when Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit now, walked to the temple one day and and here's this beggar. He was a Jewish person because he was allowed into the temple, yet he wasn't in the temple, he was begging outside the temple. He was supposed to be worshiping and enjoying God, and yet here he was lame, looking to the world, looking to money, looking to begging. The only solution is the world's money, silver and gold. And Peter, looking at him, said, no, silver and gold is not the solution to your problem. What I have, I give you. 
now. In the name of Jesus, the risen Christ, get up and walk. And in that moment, as he stretched out his hand, he, he pulled the beggar chain. He was no longer a beggar. Now he was a child of God and walking, dancing, leaping into the temple. That's God's plan for you and I. And Easter is not just about eating chocolate and remembering Jesus' resurrection. It's living it. It's living it. I love seeing people walking, stepping into God's purposes and plans for their lives. Think about Uncle John sitting here. Remember the day when he came to me after we spoke about starting a Bible college and he said, Brent, that's been my dream. I'm in. I'll head it up now. I don't know how many years later, eight years, ten years later, seeing how many Bible schools started from that. I go around doing the graduations now. Now he's preaching, teaching online. So if any of you want to do online Bible studies, Uncle John is about to launch them. Walking in God's purposes and plans. There's no retirement for you, Uncle John. Sorry. You've got to preach until you die. Someone else came to me when we spoke about prison ministry. I I, I can't time-wise be available, but financially I want to get behind this. You know, someone in the church backs that prison ministry year after year. We had about 150 graduates. We dream of prisoners becoming pastors. And inside the maximum security prison, we started to now jump from one prison to the next prison to the next prison. We had 150 graduates last year, prisoners doing Bible theological training. And when they come out, hopefully they're going to come out as pastors. It's beautiful. Walking in God's purposes and plans. Many of you know Caroline. She was, a, she was part of the church, Caroline Patel. And, and uh, she's now working. Uh, she's with the Achilles, Levende Water, our friends there. And it's beautiful because so many of you go on ministry trips with her. And I used to lead those trips into Zululand areas. And I got a whole seven of you to come with me. Now she leads the trip and there's 70 people who go with her. It's her passion to see churches planted into rural areas and church buildings and discipleship. She's walking her dream and it's beautiful. See, that's what happened at Easter. Jesus didn't just stand up. He stood up and walked out of that grave into the purposes and plans of God. So let me land. Death is defeated. The king is alive. That's what happened. So the real question is what happens now? What happens now? That's what happened to Jesus. The question is what's going to happen to you? The stone was rolled away. Are you living a life connected to your Father in heaven? There's no more excuse. The stone is rolled away. We can have access to our Heavenly Father. The light began to shine into the tomb. Are you living as a child of the light or still trying to manage darkness in your heart? It's time to open the doors. Let the light of Christ shine inside of you. The breath of heaven entered Jesus. It entered his body and new life happened. How full of the Spirit are you? Quinton led us in a prayer about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, um, yeah, previous Sunday in our early morning service, I asked, how many of you feel like half full or less of the Holy Spirit? And I was shocked when about 80% of the church put up their hands. Friends, this is not right. God has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. Now we can be as full of the Spirit as we want to be, as we thirst for him, as we yearn for him, as we surrender to him. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. And Jesus walked out of the grave. Have you stood to your spiritual feet and begun walking in the purposes and plans of God?
Friends, don't let Easter remain a Bible story. Let Easter become your story because it happened in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet, please? Brilliant. I'm going to ask the musos now. Why don't you come and join us? We want to finish off with a celebration. The rest of us, why don't you close your eyes with me just for a moment? Holy Spirit, we know that you're right here with us right now. Holy Spirit, you know each of our hearts. You know where we're at. You know the questions, the fears, the doubts, the stubbornness, the desires. And I want to ask, friends, I looked at four little pictures this morning. Picture number one, the stone is rolled away. Is there still a barrier between you and God? Because Jesus died so that the barrier would be removed. He paid the price. You can't pay it yourself. Jesus paid for it. I want to ask you today, have you been connected to your heavenly father? His love, his identity, security, destiny, value. Do you know your heavenly father? Because friends, if you here this morning and you don't have that relationship with your father in heaven, then for you, Jesus died for nothing. But if you're willing to accept and yield by faith and trust, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, maybe you've been, you are a child of light, but in all honesty, you've been hiding darkness. Friends, the gospel doesn't work in darkness. The gospel works when we allow the light of Christ to shine. And for some of you right now, the Holy Spirit is impressing upon your heart. It's time to open it up. Open up your heart, open up that tomb, and let the light of Christ shine. You might need to speak honestly with God. You might need to come and speak honestly with one of our pastors and just say it's time to get rid of the darkness. For some of you, there might still be a spiritual deadness inside of you. Remember what the Bible said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe God is calling you to a deeper surrender. Maybe even now your prayer should become Holy Spirit. I yield to you. Holy Spirit, I open up the door of my heart to you. Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe your life inside of me? I had someone come and speak to me after the Friday morning, Good Friday service. And he said, I think there's something wrong with me. When I come and we start worshiping and singing, then I start crying. Is there something wrong? And I said, no, not wrong, right. The Holy Spirit is softening a hardened heart. Let him in. Let him in. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been sitting in an empty tomb, too scared to walk out. Maybe even this morning, the stirrings of God are upon you to say it's time to walk out of the old plans, old purposes, old identity, old ways and walk out into the purposes and plans of God. Maybe it's been fear holding you back. Maybe it's been friendship with the world holding you back. But maybe this morning the Holy Spirit is getting a hold of your heart and saying it's time to step out of the tomb and step into the purposes and plans of God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for ministering to us, even now. 
Even as we sing, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak words into our heart that bring life and freedom. Thank you, Jesus.